Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. Okay. All right, we have a little delay here, so... 
right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, folks. Glad to be here. We've had a long weekend, and I hope you've had a great weekend also. And we're going to try and start the show out on a positive note this time. We're not going to we're going to talk about things that are going on within our country and, and um, elsewhere. But right now, we're going to start the show off with a positive, positive um, aspect. You know, we don't want to start it. Ah, you know, we're going to start it off positive. So I hope everybody's out there feeling great, feeling wonderful. I hope you had a great um, weekend like I did, <laughs> like we did, of course. Um, and uh, I I just love hearing these stories about older people. Okay, here comes the positive, uh, the uplifting, the positive effect of the show that I want to start off with. I just love to hear stories about people, old people, as you elderly people, seniors, doing great things with their lives. Uh, that's just, that uplifts me. That brings me, that makes me want to say, hey, wow, I'm proud of these folks. They're a lot older than me. Maybe you uh, you too. But uh, uh, I guess what I'm saying is, folks, do not, especially to the seniors and the elderly, uh, do not let old age stop you. Do not let old age hold you back. There's, I've seen people, witness people who are in their 80s running marathons. There's people who are uh, in their 90s going back to work, doing great things. There's people past 100 who are still writing books, doing the things that they love. You don't have to let age stop you from doing anything you do not want to do, that you want to do. Sorry. Anything you want to do that you love, you want to keep doing it, do not let age interfere. The busier you are, the more uh, – the busier that you are, the more – the more uh, – the busier that you are, the more things you do that you love doing, uh, I mean, it's going to, you know, increase your life expectancy. You know, I mean, you know, do not let age just, uh, I mean, too many people out here let age hold them back. Oh, I'm too old for that. I'm too old for this. <clears throat> there may be some things that you might be too old for, but there's no doubt about that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the thing is that you love doing your career, what you've been doing all your life. If you love doing it, keep doing it. You know, there are some things a lot of people are too old for. I mean, you can be 30 years old and too old to do certain things. So, um, but I guess what I'm saying is do the things you love doing. Don't worry about people who criticize you. Don't worry about people who don't like you because they know that you are doing something that they refuse to do or they can't do so they don't they don't like for you to to see you do something when they have failed at it you got to get those people out of your life you can have people around you who do not support you period you're gonna ha cannot have people around you who uh do not believe in what you're doing who criticizes you make fun of you laugh at you the hell with those people i was listening to uh the late ray charles the other night in, in an interview and this guy was, he was right on. He, I mean, he was thinking in this particular interview, he, he's done a lot of them before he passed. Um, but in this particular interview, he was saying some of the same things I'm saying tonight uh, is do not let, do what you love. Do uh, be compassionate about what you do. Do not let age stop you. I mean, if you're 65, if, you, if you're 55, 65, 75, 85, 95, Maybe even 105. You know, don't, do not let uh, 
anyone or anything stop you from doing what you love, especially if you still have your faculties. Don't, don't even think about dementia and Alzheimer's. The best way to fight Alzheimer's, uh, the onset of Alzheimer's, is just keeping your uh, mind busy, exercising your brain. That's one of the ways, because I'm hearing there is no cure for it. There's no remedy for it, but you can always uh, stop the onset of it. And it doesn't matter what age you are. It's to keep your mind busy, you know, keep your, keep your, uh, um, uh, uh, some people are saying, well, hey, a crossword puzzle, a video game, you know, uh, talking, reading, writing, you know, staying engaged and staying uh active you know so a lot of those things can it doesn't always have to be medication you know you don't need medication for every damn thing even if you have pain you don't even need medication for pain because one of the things i've said many times on this show the medical industry is a profitable one especially in the united states so they're going to keep you um they're going to keep you uh coming back appointment after appointment after appointment after appointment so they can write you a prescription of drugs so they can get paid. You know, uh, you're never going to stop going to the doctor. There's always going to be an appointment after the next appointment, then a the next appointment, then a, another appointment. They're going to call you on the phone, leave emails that, you know, you got an appointment coming up, you know, because they want the money. Not necessarily they're trying to make you well or make you better, it's that they want the money. They want your insurance money. It's a profitable industry. And you don't need medication for every goddamn thing out there. Medication sometimes will make your symptoms worse because you, 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 your body will get so used to taking these medications uh, that, you, that you, you, you actually become addicted to these medications because the doctor, the, your body becomes, uh, as I've said, your body becomes uh, addicted to these medications that do, your, that do the symptoms of whatever you have, no good. And just think about all the uh, uh, side effects that, that, are, that are from some medication that the doctor may prescribe you. All these side effects, it, the side effects for some of these drugs, over-the-counter drugs and prescription drugs can kill you by itself. So if you can, stay off or get off a lot of these medications because they are just as, they are just as, uh, deadly as the disease is. They may even, um, uh, some medications will kill you. Some medications will cause your limbs to be amputated. So you have to really, really be aware of a lot of these medications out here and, and that the, 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 med- the medical industry in, this, in the United States is profitable. So they're gonna keep you coming back. They don't give a damn about your life. They don't care. You know, they want to keep you on these drugs. A lot of people don't know that. I, I used to live next door to a guy. We used to live next door to a guy. I mean, um, this guy used to take about, I think I've told this story before. This guy used to take, I mean, he would have his medical, his, um, he would have his uh, medicine delivered to his apartment. He would have his medicine and sometimes he would not be home. His medicine would be sitting outside of his door in a bag, you know. And uh, there would be 10 different types of medication in that bag. Because one day they delivered it to my apartment, <laughs> which is right next door to him, thinking that my apartment was his apartment. And I, you know, uh, 
picked up the bag and I gave it to him. And I looked inside before I did that. And I saw 10 different types of medication uh, that this guy was taking. And this was like for years too, you know. And um, he was taking all these medications. Every time I look around, every month he would get a, a bag of uh, medications delivered to his to his house. You know, I mean, it, it was it was daunting that this guy was taking all these medica all this medication. And at the time, I wasn't taking any. So, uh, and the guy ended up passing. He he ended up passing away. Uh, nobody, he lived alone. Nobody know, knew that he had passed away. The only way we knew that he had passed away in his house, that the smell was, <laughs> was seeping over into my apartment, you know, into other apartments or in the building here. And um, that's the only way he passed away. Those medications maybe helped his passing, him to die sooner. They surely didn't help because he actually passed away and they were still delivering medications to his door, sitting down outside of his door after he after he had passed away. So that's one example of saying that of these medications, these prescription drugs that your doctor constantly, constantly uh, um, subscribe to you uh, uh, can kill you or they're not that effective. One of the two. The George Wilder Jr. Show is not advocating you not to take your medicine. Not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying uh, a lot of these medications, they they make the symptoms worse, or they don't make, or they don't do anything at all. Deadly and can kill you, or make you give you more uh, complications than you've already had. And still, they're gonna say, "Hey, wow, you're gonna miss your appointment. Appointment for what?" You know, so they can get into your pockets. That's all it is. And uh, I'm not downing medication. I'm saying if you if you have medication and you think it's doing uh, its job, hey, by all means, take it. Because once your body is addicted to these type of medications, then your body is going to tell you, you know, you need this. You need that. You need this. Your body's going to tell you because you're addicted to it. But if you'd have done the right things in the first place in the beginning, like exercise, diet, uh, being positive, uh, uh, things like that, maybe, maybe, you know, you wouldn't have the pain that you have. But I've been told that pain comes along with aging, you, you losing your sight comes. Not, yeah, it does. It does. But there's nothing like trying to stop, stop it from uh, uh, the onset of these problems uh, from the beginning. And it's easy. Just take care of yourself, exercise, exercise. Uh, if you don't, if you're not living with an, anyone, uh, get a find a dog or something. Adopt a dog, buy a dog or whatever. Uh, you and even having an, some sort of companion with you, even if you know, and stop living alone. Have a, a companion. You know, you'll you'll live longer. That's another way uh, that your life expectancy can improve by having someone around you to talk to you, not someone who's going to abuse you. Uh, talk to you like you're crazy or you're an idiot. You don't need that someone. You need someone who's going to actually, you know, uh, support you and care about you and just hold nice and gentle conversations with you. So getting back, um, basically, don't let age, don't let age tell you uh, 
dictate your life life for you. If you want to do something, do it. I mean, you've got 98-year-old women uh, winning ballet contests. You know, I mean, you've got 80-year-old people running marathons. Uh, the elderly, they're doing something great. I mean, you don't always have to think of elderly people, oh, they're going to die soon. You don't always have to think of el- elderly people as uh, they She's got dementia or he's got Alzheimer's. I mean, look at the actor Kirk Douglas. He's 101 years old. 101. Kirk Douglas. He's still around. A lot of his peers have passed away, but he's still here. Kirk Douglas is 101 year old. And he's got a dozen or so books published. A writer. Once an actor, now a writer at 101 years old. That's amazing. That's amazing. And at 101 years old, he still has his faculties. There's no dementia. There's no onset of Alzheimer's. There's none of that. And a lot of these people are my heroes. I mean, I I'm looking at this. Whoa! What are you doing? With you? What are you doing to uh, to, to uh, 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 live so long? And most of them will tell you, you know, most of them will tell you. They'll say, hey, stop the worrying, stop being depressed, stop feeling like you're worthless, and put positive people in your life, diet, exercise, bingo, you know, positive people in your life. So many elderly people have adopted dogs, and I'd say that's a great thing. That's beautiful. You know, you need companionship because a lot of the, a lot of times when an, an elderly person adopts a dog, that that gives them a reason. Uh, walking the dog gives them a reason to go out of the house and get some exercise, even if it's just walking or walking the dog for 15 or 30 minutes. That that's uh, uh, gets them some exercise. And, but I want to say to a lot of elderly people, we have a lot of snow around the country. We have snow in Chicago. If you if you're not fit, if you're not you don't have to be totally fit. If you're not um if if you have not been been exercising, do not go outside and shovel snow. If you <laughs> do not go out and shovel snow. Hire someone to do it or call a relative. Do not go out. And that goes for anybody. You can be 30 or 40 years old. If you if you uh have have something against exercising or uh, physical activity, then I would probably say do not uh, try shoveling snow because that's where heart attacks occur. A lot of people uh, see all the snow outside in front of their houses, the sidewalks, the steps, and so forth, the yard, and they try to, and they never exercise or they exercise very, very little, and they get a shovel and they go outside and try to shovel the snow in cold weather, bingo, they're dead. Simply because they weren't, they their bodies was not conditioned for that kind of uh, 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 thing. Their bodies were not conditioned for shoveling snow because they barely exercised or they did not exercise. They were they were always on the couch or laying around the house doing nothing or whatever. Then they said decide to get up and shovel snow, and they're gone. And it happens. It happens every winter. It happens happens every 
time uh, we have this type of weather and the snow and the cold and the frost can really, really devastate a lot of families. So if, you, if you're not in shape, any kind of shape, no kind of shape at all, do not go out there and uh, shovel snow, uh, uh, hire a relative or something or, or, or something or call for help or whatever, but you don't do it because you, you know, you don't want to, um, you don't want to die out there. And it's serious. I, I say die, but it's, it's a cruel word, but it's a word that we have to accept, you know. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show for 20 minutes. I've been, <laughs> I've been railing 20 minutes about that. All right, author Christy Richardson, uh, making sense of it all, making sense of it all, will be on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I saw her um, acknowledgement there. So, all right, hate has no home here. Guess Christy Richardson. Be kind to one another out there, making the world a better place. We're always trying to make the world a better place, folks. Even if it seems daunting, even even if it seems like it's a hell of a task, but we're still here and we're going to still do it. A friend is not someone who calls you to ask for money. A friend is not someone who calls you to ask. A friend is someone who calls. I'm reading this, okay? <laughs> a friend is someone who calls uh, to ask how are you doing because they take your friendship and my friendship very serious, Okay. Once again, hate has no home here, and it's a bunch of it out there. It's a lot of hate out there in the world, and we have to change it, folks. That's what the George Wilder Jr. show is all about. We have to change it. Um, it it's it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally it, – it's not right. It's not fair. It's, it's just something that we're going to have to change. And um, All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show. Follow me right here on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me. Um, all over the place, not literally, not, you know, anything. I'm just saying uh, 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 Facebook, LinkedIn, Google. Um, yeah, I'm all over the place when it comes to being online. And um, it, it's, 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 it's not right to uh, um, ridicule people. And, and it, it's just not right to do that. And we're going to be talking about Donald Trump in a little bit, but, uh uh, but, uh, you know, there's so much about Donald Trump to be said. It, it's it's mind boggling. All right. We'll be right back.
Lemon. The President of the United States is racist. All of us already knew that. Today, President Trump talking with lawmakers in the Oval Office about immigrants from Haiti, from, Haiti, from El Salvador, and Africa said, and I quote, why are we having all these people from shithole countries come here? But you know who he did say he would welcome here? He said the U.S. should bring in more people from countries like Norway. And CNN is told that he went on to say, why do we need more Haitians? Take them out. Those comments are frankly disgusting. There's other language I'd like to use, but we are on television. But you know what? They're not shocking. Not even really surprising. Because this is who Donald Trump is. This is what he thinks. Apparently we have to go through this repertoire every time he says something like this or exhibits some racist behavior. This is a man who in the Oval Office meeting last year said Nigerian immigrants should, in his words, go back to their huts. Who in that same meeting said all Haitian immigrants have AIDS. The man who based his entire political career for years on the racist birther lie that President Barack Obama was born in Africa. A man who reportedly still believes that to this day. The man who started his campaign trashing Mexicans and then made the Muslim ban a centerpiece of his bid. The man who responded to white supremacists who killed a young woman in Charlottesville by claiming there were, in his words, very fine people on both sides. The man who responded to protests by black NFL players by calling them, quote, sons of bitches. Do I need to go on with all of this? I, I get tired of saying it. This is the man who today complained about immigrants who, quote, are from shithole countries. Tonight, a White House official told CNN that they're not worried. They think this is good for them. And the president's comments will actually resonate with his base. Jesus. Admitting that for all their talk about making America great, the president is playing to a base that welcomes his racism and will enjoy it. And that is disgraceful. With that said, here's what's worse and probably the most important point. So gather around the television, everyone. And this is for anyone who may be taken aback by my comments. I want to be very clear here. I don't really care if you are. I hope you are. For years now, it has been, you know, two and a half years since he officially entered the political arena. For years, I and others have been trying to tell you, the American people, that this man was exhibiting bigoted behavior. I asked him about it a number of times, and he denied it, but kept up the racist rhetoric and behavior throughout the campaign and now while he's in the White House. His supporters made excuses, continue to make excuses for him. Some of them people I personally know. Some of them are his friends, as a matter of fact, and I can hear them now telling me, oh, Don, Donald didn't mean that. Donald isn't a racist or just people who don't know him. I don't think, I think it was taken out of context. I'm not sure. How many examples do you need of this? But he is a racist. And for all of you who over the last few years have uttered that tired, lazy, uninformed, uneducated, ignorant response of calling me and others who point out racist behavior racist, you know what you can go do? I can't say that, but you can go read a book, a history book, because you might learn that people from some of those shithole countries were slaves who were brought here by force to help build this country and then start your learning process from there. You also might want to do some self-examination. What does it say about you that no matter what, 
no matter what, you continue to make excuses for this man, for his vile behavior, this sort of vile behavior. Doesn't that make you just as bad, if not worse, than him? And I have to be honest. I was, I was not shocked that Donald Trump reportedly called the majority of black and Hispanic countries uh, or continents shitholes. I wasn't shocked. I'm not. I'm really not outraged by it. I'm not outraged. I'm tired of being outraged, as a matter of fact. I've been outraged too many times. It's more important to be strategic than to be outraged. Some people can be outraged, but it's more important for level-headed people to be strategic rather than outraged. Otherwise, it becomes a sky-is-falling situation every time he says something dumb or stupid or racist. Here's why I'm not outraged. Because people of color warned you. You called us racists or race baiters. I'm not mad that you call me those things because I'm not one of them. So why are you mad if someone calls you a racist if you know you're not one? Think about that. If you know you're not a racist, then why are you mad about it when someone calls out racism? What does that say about you? You know what those black and brown folks who you call racist are saying now? They're saying you bought it, you own it. And as we say in the South, and you know what this means, bless your heart. All right, you're back. We're back at the George Wander Jr. Show. It's having a little difficulty here. Let's see what can we do this. No, no, no. Let's try this. All right. Okay, you're on the George Wander Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Uh, hello, uh, George. I'm your 630 uh, guest calling today. All right, Christy Richardson. Uh, thanks yes. for being here. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, thank you already, for having uh, me. No problem. No problem at all. Uh, you're going to be discussing making sense of it all, is, 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 if we have it right here. Uh, it is, it's actually it's a new book. It's called Making Sense of Munchkin. Um, okay. And basically, it <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, it, it basically, in the short of it, we do kind of make sense of it all, uh, but it's, it's okay. focused around uh, the needs of, of a particular individual, which are, are quite difficult to figure out uh, kind of a situation. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, Alrighty. Um, uh, first of all, I want you to give you give give us a small bio of yourself and how did you come and how did you come by writing this? Uh, well, uh, I consider myself a a special needs mom warrior, and honestly, uh, I did not intend to go out and, and write this book. Um, I'm a person of faith, and I felt that um, God called me to write this book after we had spent so many years trying to figure out the type of techniques and tactics, medication, therapies, and other things that would help my child be successful in an environment where there were not many uh, services available for her. So we had spent um, a good portion of five years, and it started when she was very little. And the problem is, is that when you have such a young child, that is struggling with a mental health issue, um, it, there's just not a lot of services to help you wade through that. But unfortunately, that didn't give us parents any uh, alternatives to help understand the situation and to help her, and we kind of lived in a cycle of free fall for kind of a while. Um, so I wanted to provide a mechanism for parents by writing this book and sharing that journey 
uh, that we've been on so that they can become an empowered individual um, with through love and empathy, understanding, and then give them some real tactics that they can deploy um, to become more calm in their homes uh, with their kids. I totally agree. I have a son who has a disability. He has a, a autism. And uh, for 17, 17, 18 years, I have been trying, busting my butt to try to get this guy to be a part of society, try to think like normal people, try to uh, uh, instill in him that life is going to be tough if if something um, if he doesn't um, something doesn't break and and I just think I've just failed at it I I or he failed one of us did you know and I feel like uh, it was just a total waste of time. Well, and I don't think that it's ever the case. I mean, I think you've done more than a lot of parents um, in that situation. Um, in, in my personal uh, opinion, um, and I don't know your whole story and, and what you've been through, but like, no, no, I see a I, lot of parents who just throw, you know, I mean, it just throws, you know, you throw your arms up and just say, I quit, you know, I don't know what to do, you know, and you have I couldn't, to, that's what I want to do. Just say, Hey, I just quit. I, I can't reach this guy. I've been trying for 17, 18 years to reach him. He does things that I don't like that he does. He says things that I don't like what he says. And I, I have been his pillar of hope. His, I'm the reasons why he's here. And you just kind of say to yourself, well, maybe he, this, is, this isn't the environment for this person. Maybe he has to see doctors or nurses or be in some sort of a, I don't know, quarantine or something. I, 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 I don't know. Well, in, in, our, in our particular experience, you know, she, my daughter was, 18 months when we kind of started mm -hmm. understanding that, yeah. that something was wrong, you know, and, and when I say wrong, I don't necessarily mean that she was broken. It just, we didn't understand what the heck was happening. And, you know, when you, when you approach professionals uh, and you have a child that's that young, they're like, oh, well, they'll just grow up and they'll grow out of it. Now, obviously you knowing your son, there are things that are normal child behaviors and there are things that are just not normal child behaviors. And, you can kind of tell the difference, even though yeah. being a normal child mm -hmm. muddies the waters to, to, you know, to segregate those things out. And so, you know, we were, she was asked to leave um, her, her preschool um, three days before, you know, or three weeks before pre-K started, which people are like, well, she's still very, very young. Well, that's true. But you're wow. talking about a person who apparently uh, can't Christy, even be. Christy, she was asked to leave by teachers, administrators? She was attending a, a private preschool program, and then what that preschool mm -hmm. program did was use a, a public pre-K program once they reached that age, um, even though it was still through the private building um, in this private school. And her behaviors were so misunderstood and so poor that they felt that she couldn't stay and asked us to leave. Uh, my oh, daughter, you it know, was that's, actually the week of her birthday, and she was not even uh not even four or five excuse me that's five. something that that is that sounds like something similar that happened to me when my son was in preschool he was in preschool also uh the, i mean they they wanted him out they they, they acted as if he was from mars or somewhere you know that because he was different and they want i had to transfer him because they told me that uh they didn't want him there and so i guess this happens to uh kids who are um, different 
when they're yeah, small. Unfortunately, a lot of kids that um, have a, you know, mental, social, learning, behavior, um, you know, and struggles, I follow that they're the kids that fall through the cracks. They're not, they're just yeah. misunderstood and they're not put it, you know, and they, the system doesn't have a mechanism to put them in a situation all the time um, that they can be properly in my opinion, properly, you know, groomed so that they can be successful. Well, and here's the caveat. Yeah. So we, we took her home yeah. and we said, fine. And I was in a position where I could, I could be home with her. And I said, we're going to spend another year. Yeah. And we're going to work on it and we're going to try to get help and um, we're going to figure it out. Right. Well, we got on a waiting list. I was on a waiting list for six and a half months. Now, six and a half months, what am I supposed to do in the meantime? So every day, we were having these routine cycles. My daughter would be happy. Something would trigger her to be angry. She would go into a, yeah. a rage. She would be um, throwing things, hitting things, until at some point there would be another sensation. So sometimes she would throw something that was too big for her, or you would defend yourself, and that would, would snap her out of that, and then she would become depressed, and she would cry, and then she would be exhausted, and then she would sleep, and then we would wake up, and we would repeat the cycle all over again, every day, multiple times, three, four, five, six times a day. So what am I supposed to do as a parent living in this cycle of exhaustion and these tantrums and these meltdowns? We had to come up with something. I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. continue to live that way, right? It wasn't fair to me. It wasn't fair to her. Um, and we're waiting now. We're waiting for professionals. And we're supposed to wait, you know, six months for them to call us. And six so, months. That's, that's. Six That's ridiculous. Months. The average wait time, you know, for a child uh, in needing mental health services it is a six to nine month wait, wait time very often. Right now, we don't have enough mental um, health facility spaces when people need to ad admit children because they are at risk to themselves or others. They don't have any place for uh, them. Yeah. And, and also, uh, a lot of the, uh, if, if it's government, the, the social programs are being cut to, to nothing. And that's another that's another negative, you know, that they're being cut to nothing and uh, money is not there. It is well, exactly, and and yeah. you know, and other medical costs are going up. And and one yeah. of the therapies at some point that we were offered was a five thousand dollars therapy that at the time we, I couldn't afford to do, but that still doesn't help me as a parent. I still have a child who's struggling. I still have a family that's struggling. You know, well, eventually it got to the point where. Um, we were able to do a hospitalization program. One morning, my daughter woke up and just couldn't wear anything. Her, she suffers from um, uh, ADHD, um, sensory processing disorder, um, and yeah. what they call DMDDM, which is a dysregulated mood disruption disorder. And, yeah. and so that SPD, she, we have learned over time that her anxiety manifests itself as a tactile defense. And so when she's under a lot mm. of stress, these things become much more aggravated. You know, things that were once comfortable don't become comfortable and her, her smell is heightened and things that smelled good no longer smell good and so on and so forth. Well, so we're still in this waiting pattern and this situation happens. And I walked in and I tell this story um, in the book and I, about going to see her physician and I'm, I'm not leaving. I have a child who I cannot take out into public. You have, I'm, I'm done. You've got to help me. I've got to come up with something. And so they found her a hospitalization program where it was a day program that she could go for, and she was there for two weeks. Now, I will tell you, 
in our case, we were very lucky that she was able to get in as quickly as she was, or they made room for us. I'm not really sure what happened, but we fought and we got in. And, the, and at that point, we didn't care if we could afford it or not. Um, so we just we went ahead with it. And that kicked off for us a, a cycle because when she came out of that program, we already had appointments mm-hmm. lined up with other professionals to start other things. So we were finally going to get some other assistance. You know, so this happened um, when my daughter was five. But she, so she'd been asked to leave preschool. We worked with her, tried to do a couple of things. We went back to kindergarten. She was asked to leave kindergarten two months in, and so we brought wow. her back home. You know, so, and then we did this program, and it started to kick off things. But what do we, what, I want to talk about a little bit about what we did in the meantime, because this is where I think right now, like you were saying, we're in, unfortunately, a political environment where mental health services are not looked at as important in our society. And it's right, unfortunate because right. we see the other telltale signs right now that they're extremely needed. We've got people who are hurting in this world, and because they are hurting and they're not getting that support that they need, we're seeing violence. We're seeing an increased rate in children taking their own lives because the depression and the anxiety is so high. You know, we're seeing 20% of the student body right now having some sort of struggle. And educators, I feel horrible for them. They're in a situation where their hands are often tied. They don't have those resources. Yeah, because the, and, and another thing, and one of the reasons why they don't have those resources is because the current powers that be, they don't care. They just don't care. Well, I mean, I do believe that there are, are educators that do. I think the problem is, though, is that uh, no, I'm talking you, about I'm talking about the political climate. The, you know, the yes. the um, yeah. I would incur. I, be, I I I concur completely. The the mm-hmm. political environment does not support the the education the system enough. Where I mean, you are still asking teachers to work multiple years without raises. We're asking children to be in a classroom with 25, 30 other people and one teacher who doesn't even get a 15-minute break to use the bathroom. How are we expected to have those individuals be able to give the love and the care and the extra empathy for any of the children in the room um, and ones that will require the extra care like kids like ours? It's yeah, not gonna happen. Uh, the, the, no, it's not going to happen. It's going to get worse because these people are trying to eliminate education altogether. Get rid of it, period. Public education. It, it def- it's a system that definitely needs to be reworked. Somewhere we've lost the, the sight of, of, of teaching, and I, I don't like to use that word um, in, a, in its true yeah. mechanism, but w- we forget a lot of times that children have natural developmental milestones and when you really start to understand your child on a deeper level which which this book shows you how to do on a much deeper level um then you look at school and you look at education oftentimes and go why would they do that because it it goes against (laughs) the natural growth and development of a child at this age and at this stage You know, we're taking All right, away author art. Christy Richardson on the George Wilder Jr. show, and she's talking about her book. You're talking about, Christy, how is the book doing? How, how is the public reacting to your book? 
I actually have been quite um, humbled, I will say, in the response mm-hmm. to this book. Yeah. And, and, and here's why. I wrote it thinking it was a, a, very, a very targeted niche. I was really trying to reach you know, just those parents of special needs children um, like mine um, who mm-hmm. felt abandoned and alone. Well, the, the yeah. feedback that I have gotten was a much wider base actually. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah. you know, as much as I know that you, you know, a lot of people that you wrote this for this niche, you know, they're saying, Hey, I'm, I'm a parent of a strong willed child or I'm a parent, you know, just trying to be a better parent and the yeah. tactics yeah. and the stories and the inspiration and the way that I break down the information in the book, they're just loving. And, and for that, oh, wow. I was, I was quite taken aback. So, so you get you a lot know, of, I mean, you get, yeah, yeah. You give a lot of advice in the book to uh, uh, parents who may be in the same situation that you found yourself in with your child. Yes. Actually, the, the way that I wrote this book, which was, which was again, mm-hmm. I, I never in, intended to be an author, but the way that I ended up writing it, it's, <laughs> okay. it's kind of a hybrid, and I'm actually glad the way it really came out. It took me two years yeah. And yeah. to put it together, and it started out, so there's, there's the actual underlying inspirational story. It's about going mm-hmm. from a place of really being alone and feeling helpless and being exhausted and, you know, not knowing what to do and being angry for it. And then on top of that, I share the stories that we go through. And I, and I have to say that there are parts of social media that I absolutely cannot stand. But when I was writing this book, it was really a a wonderful tool that I didn't realize was going to be a tool for me, but I went back. And as I layered in those stories, I went back and I pulled out raw uh, posts that I had shared at the time. And what I, what I loved about that particular level is that it's, it's raw. I don't pad anything here and I don't hide anything. You know, if I was, if I was falling that day, you got to see me fall. If I was angry that day, I'm angry, you know, and if I was joyous because something small happened, you felt it. And, and it brings Christy, those can you stories. Read us Christy, can you read us an excerpt? Absolutely. I actually had uh, two small things I'd like to to pick out. Um, And I'll tell you, the first one is actually from Chapter 3, and and it's called uh, Riding the Emotional Roller Coaster. And um, I'm going to share a story about a situation that had happened right here. When Samantha Mm -hmm. was almost four years old, and just before she was asked to leave preschool, There was a night I will never forget. She was in a meltdown. It had already gone on for almost an hour. She was throwing stuff, screaming, banging on the door that I was holding to make sure she couldn't get out. I held that knob so tight with both of my hands, my knuckles turned white. I was standing there in complete tears. This had to stop. She was going to hurt herself or someone else. With each bang of the door, it felt like a stab in my heart. I was so tired of this. I was so sad for her. I was sad for us. Every day, two, three, four, five times a day, we would have these epic meltdowns that would last for hours. Suddenly, the banging stopped, and I heard a crash, the cries of pain. As fast as I could, I opened the door just wide enough I could squeeze in. I quickly closed it behind me and sat in front of it so she couldn't escape. 
And there she was, hurt, again, because in her blind rage, she threw something that was too big for her to throw. Instead, she dropped it on herself. That overpowering pain sensation snapped her out of her rage. And as though someone had flipped a light switch, now leaving only pain and sadness, that pain turned Mm -hmm. into deep depression. She would go on to say how much she hated herself and how she wanted to die, how the world hated her. I did my best consoling her in my lap with my eyes still full of tears. I felt like an awful parent, a horrible person, and an inadequate mother. How could I help her? How was I supposed to keep her safe from doing this? I covered her in her blankie, holding her tight and patting her back. I sat there for a long, long time. My legs were going numb, but I didn't dare move. I waited until her cries were gone, and she fell asleep. I got up with her in my arms, waiting only a moment for the feeling to return to my legs. I laid her in bed. I covered her with her blankets. I turned off the lights, and I walked out of her room and into our master bedroom. I sat down against the wall on the floor and proceeded to cry for over an hour. Wow, that's beautiful. That's, 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 Thank that's, you. that's wonderful. Thank I was... Uh, I was all taken by it. I mean, I was uh, in a trance. I was listening to it. That was beautiful. You read it greatly. Great. Thank you. And uh, uh, give us uh, the title of the book again, Making Sense of It All. Oh, give us the title it's, of the book and uh, tell us where we can find it. Sure. It's, uh, it's Making Sense of Munchkin, A Mother's Journey to Calm with a Special Needs Child. It's available on Amazon in both a Kindle or print version. Um, and also right now, um, mm-hmm. I'm offering a free chapter for those who want to get a little bit more in-depth about what the book has. It also shows what each of the chapters break down into um, if they go to the website, and that's www.makingsenseofmunchkin.com slash book. So, and this, I lo- this excerpt I read because it shows the pain. It shows where, where we started from. And that it was like the bottom point for us to figure out how to come back and become an empowered person and an empowered parent for our child. And if we have time, I'd like to read a very short little excerpt that I start the book with. Um, and I think it's important because it kind of shows that overall there's a transition and where we end up being um, as, as hope. If that's okay with you, George. George? George? Hello? George? Yeah, uh, what happened? Did, did your phone go out? I don't know. I was talking, and the next thing I don't know, nobody was there. <laughs> yeah, you were you were talking, and all of a sudden, something came up on the screen here. It said phone call was dropped. So I don't know. It, it, I, you never, I never left anywhere. You, did you? You might have touched the wrong button or something. <laughs> something was oh, wrong. Anyway, wouldn't surprise me an operator error. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me either because uh, we were talking all of a sudden. I'm hearing a, a ding dong in my ear. You know, I'm going, whoa, what happened? And then this thing comes down on the uh, um, the marquee here saying that the phone was, your phone call had been dropped. So I immediately. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, started, started to uh, be like, what happened to me? And I'm, and I'm doing the same. I'm like, hello? 
<laughs> well, All right, uh, Christy Richardson. Yeah, you're back. We're, folks, we're back, okay? And we want to apologize Yay. for that. Okay, author Christy Richardson on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Okay, uh, uh, pick up where you left off. Well, I'm not sure where we cut out. What was the last thing you heard, George? I, th- I think you, you cut out when, you, when I asked you to t- tell us where we can find your book, uh, t- you know, stuff like that. Give us, the, uh, okay. give us the title of it again and tell us where we can find it, that kind of thing. Website, you know. Great. Um, it's Making Sense of Munchkin, A Mother's Journey to Calm with a Special Needs Child. It's available on mm-hmm. Amazon in print and in Kindle form. Um, right now, I am um, offering a free chapter that people can download if they want to check out a little bit more in depth of a, of a story, and it has the breakdown of uh, all of the chapters of the book, and they can get that at www.makingsenseofmunchkin.com slash book. And also, Christy, you can also uh, download a, a podcast to show, and if you have a website, you can put it on your website, and people can come to your website and listen to you on the show as you tell talk about your book and, and the struggles with your daughter and, and stuff like which that. So I it's, absolutely it's always love. A, which, which it's always available because once I'm uh, once the show is uh, over and it's podcasted and is you know whatever, you can always. Uh, uh, have access to it uh and as i've said you know so your readers your buyers or or, you know supporters can come by and hear you on the show as you talk about this uh, serious subject awesome thank you so much i really appreciate it no problem i want to thank you for being on the show now and i wish you a lot of luck are you planning on writing another book um i've had a lot of people ask me that and i think there's probably at least one or two in there, even though I didn't set out that way. But I, I think it's because we need to continue to share the journey because I know we're going we're gonna to run into other struggles that we're going to have to tackle just as, as people grow and the hormones change and that so on. And I think they're going to want to kind of see yeah. how that, that plays out. Just like, you know, if there's different phases of your child was different at 5 and 9 and 12 and 17. I guess what I'm saying, do you, ask, do you enjoy the art of writing? Well, it's kind of funny because, I mean, I've, I've been a, a blogger and, a, and I enjoy people and speaking, but I never thought I was really any yeah. good at it. Um, so, okay. but I have a true, I have a true heart. I want to help people and I want to, and I want to share yeah. whatever knowledge I can to, if I can help and I empower one person mm-hmm. not to be in the same place that we were or to go from that place that we were to finding calm and understanding, then it's worth it to me. All right, Christy Richardson on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank you so much for doing the show, and I wish you a lot of luck in your quest. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much, George. Bye. 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 All right, Christy Richardson on the George Wilder Jr. Show, and I want to apologize for that little uh, uh, technical difficulty. It, It happens, folks. We will be right back.
after this kind of hate filled speech. Now here in Washington, I want to listen in. And when the time came for STD and cancer screenings, no judgment, no. Welcome back. Um, so the breaking news that just came out, uh, Donald Trump made more comments. Uh, he rejected the bipartisan immigration uh, reform that was supposed to be popping. Mm -hmm. Remember I covered that one? Yeah. And we thought there was going to be some. Well, we knew. <laughs> it wasn't going to be nothing. However, because according to the Washington Post, I'm just going to read it straight from here. It says, President Trump grew frustrated with lawmakers Thursday. who's given a full account of what the president said yesterday, is the one Democrat who was president, who was present, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, a leading advocate for Dreamers and other immigrant groups. In a series of press appearances this morning, Durbin recounted exactly what happened inside the Oval Office. The president came into the Oval Office and Senator Lindsey Graham and I made our presentation. As Senator Graham made his presentation, the president interrupted him several times with questions. And in the course of his comments, uh, said things which were hate-filled, vile, and racist. We have a group that have temporary protected status in the United States because they were the victims of crises and disasters and political upheaval. The largest group is El Salvador, and the second is Honduran, and the third is Haitian. And when I mentioned that fact to him, he said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians? And then he went on when we started to describe the immigration from Africa that was being protected in this uh, bipartisan measure. That's when he used these vile and vulgar comments, calling the nations they come from shitholes. The exact word used by the president, not more, not just once, but repeatedly. My colleague, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, spoke up and made a direct comment on what the president said. I was very proud of him. It took courage for what he did. And um, I made my own comments in response to it, but for him to confront the president as he did, uh, literally sitting next to him, took extraordinary political courage and I respect him for it. He said, put me down for wanting more Europeans to come to this country. Why don't we get more people from Norway? That was exactly what the president said. I'm joined now by Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California. So, Congresswoman, you have Dick Durbin saying that when uh, immigration from Haiti or the TPS situation from Honduras and Haiti and El Salvador was described, Donald Trump said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians uh, on the question of Africa? He called those nations shitholes. That was exact word used by the president per Lindsey Graham. And then uh, the last bit here, Donald Trump saying, put me down for wanting more Europeans to come for this country. Your thoughts, Congresswoman? Well, you know, I have called him uh, what I know him to be for a long time. Uh, remember some time ago I called him scumbag? Uh, I've called him a racist, deplorable, despicable, uh, added to what others are calling him, a moron, ignorant, on and on and on. The United States of America is represented by the most despicable human being that could possibly ever walk the earth. I don't know when Americans are going to tire of this lying man. Uh, it has been documented that he has told over 2,001 lies since he has been in office. He name calls. He basically disparaged a United States congresswoman and 
basically said she would do anything for a contribution. Talked about, as you know, during the campaign, grabbing women by their private parts. What more do we need to see or hear from this racist man? Not only is he racist, uh, he is an embarrassment uh, for this country. Our allies are quickly moving away from him. What are we waiting for? He is basically bringing this country down. And for all of those Republicans on the other side who stand with him, who claimed to have been patriotic, they are not patriotic. They are with not the guts to stand up or they join him as racist. And so I, I have known this. Uh, and I've called for his impeachment over and over again. I've been criticized for it, but I don't know what else we need to say about him. I know a lot of people are saying, let's see what Mueller is going to do. Is he going to connect the dots? Well, this man has obstructed justice right before our very eyes. We keep hearing about Super all of hand. these meetings and connections with the Russians uh, by his family and others. I simply believe that not only has he colluded, and of course he has obstructed justice, but his character is such that the United States and the citizens of this country, rather, should not be willing to tolerate. He's a bad image for our children, and he should be impeached. We should move him out of office. The American citizens who are fed up with him are looking for Congress to take responsibility and do what we must do and impeach him. Get rid of him. Get him out of here. And, and you know, Congressman, you, you've hit on a point, because when you say well, how much more can we tolerate, and, you know, I think all those of us who are hear from people all the time, what can we do? And it, the, the truth is that only Congress can rein in a president of the United yeah. States and that impeachment or censure has to begin in the House of Representatives. I want to play you two pieces of sound from the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and the way he reacted to Donald Trump's racism back on the campaign trail and the way that he reacted to what we just learned Claiming that the president said um, in the Oval Office. And this was, these are those two things. And this was, the yes. first one is June 2016. Here you go. Claiming a person can't do the job because of their race is sort of like the textbook definition of a racist comment. No, I think that should be absolutely disavowed. It's absolutely he unacceptable. Is, well, I, I First thing that came to my mind my was very unfortunate, um, unhelpful, um, whether you're coming All from right. Haiti. We've got great friends from Africa in Janesville uh, who are doctors who are just incredible. And... Uh, I just think it's important that we celebrate yeah. that. First piece of sound was when uh, Donald Trump disparaged Judge Curiel, saying that he's Mexican, therefore he can't judge uh, a case against Donald Trump. What do you make of, of, of the declination of Paul Ryan's outrage from June of 2016 to today? Well, evidently, uh, he is not a real leader. Uh, and I wish I could say he didn't have the courage of his convictions, because I don't know if he has any. Uh, but I know this. History will not be kind to him, uh, to these Republicans, and to those who are basically standing by him, embracing him. As far as I'm concerned, they're confirming uh, that they're just as bad as he is. And so for Paul Ryan, uh, who is supposed to be a leader, who, you know, occupies the speakership uh, for the Congress, for the House of Representatives, he is irresponsible. He is not providing leadership. He's not doing his job. We need to get rid of him also. And, and, and Congresswoman John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, of course, civil rights legend John Lewis, is not going to be going, he says, to the State of the Union. Are you going to go? Oh, no. You know, I didn't go to the inauguration. I didn't go to, um, you know, the joint session that was held after that. I don't intend to go to this one. Why would I 
take my time to go and sit and listen to a liar, to someone who <laughs> lies in the face of facts, who's someone who can change their tune day in and day out. What does he have to say that I would be interested in? I don't trust him. I don't appreciate him. And I wouldn't waste my time sitting in that house listening to what he has to say. He does not deserve Maxine my Maxine Waters on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I want to add to that. I think Trump is just awful. I, okay, I haven't said anything so far about Trump on the show. Not too much anyway. Um, this guy is just awful. I'm like, Max, I'm like Maxine Waters. I, I think he's unfit. And I think uh, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and all of these jackasses in Congress are just complicit. Uh, this guy did say shithole countries. He did say it, and there's so many Republicans uh, that heard him say it. They're out saying that he did not say it after they heard them say it. They're saying that they can't recall if he said it. They were sitting right next to him. They can't recall if he said it. But suddenly, the next day, they're saying, hey, wow, he didn't say it. Hey, you're, now, now you're saying you, that he did not say it after saying that you could not recall. They are trying to hoodwink the American people. Uh, act as if we're dumb and stupid. We we really don't know. This is what these people are, are like. They lie for Trump. Uh, they they lie for him. They 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 defend him when they know this jackass said shithole countries. They know it. Dick Durbin is not going to lie. He may be weak in other places, but he's not a liar. And Trump. I mean, Trump all but said he said it, then he denies it, then he denies it. And you got people like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's lying for Trump. You got people like um, the DSH chief covering up for Trump. She heard cursing, but not the slur. Give me a word. The slur is a curse word. It is a bad word. These people are... These people who are trying to de defend Trump, they just look more ridiculous and, and, and more dishonest trying to uh, defend somebody who has been dishonest all, his, all of his life. Trump has been dishonest all of his life. It's a damn shame that these people go out, uh, get on, they get on some of these cable shows. They don't answer the question. They try to uh, pivot to some other uh, issue and not answer the question. And a lot of these uh, moderators on these shows are just throwing these people off their show, which they should. You come on to answer questions, you don't answer the question, get off. You come on and you try to uh, offend the American people, get your ass off. You come on and you lie through your teeth, get off my show. And that's a good thing. That's America sticking up for America. And I've been saying for several times on the show that Democrats ought to show some spine. They are showing some spine right now. They are coming out calling Donald Trump what he is, and he is a racist. No matter if you hear him say a thousand times that he's not a racist, he's lying a thousand times. You go back in history, and you there is a litany, a litany of Donald Trump racist rants about people of color. There is no doubt about it. When I first heard shithole, I knew he said it, even if I wasn't in the room. Because this is what Donald Trump is. This is the person that he is. This is in his DNA to be a racist, 
to be a thug, to be vile, to be nasty, to be mean, to be honorary, and keeping up his war with the American people. He, yeah, he has a war with us. I said that several times. He's trying to take away everything that he thinks that we're living off of. He's trying to take away everything that he thinks that we're uh, that makes us happy. And these asshole uh, Republicans in Congress, they've got their, I mean, he gave them a tax cut. They got their millions of dollars. Of course, they're not going to say anything uh, about him. Donald Trump is paying these people off. He's saying, hey, here's a million dollars. Get up there and say, I didn't say it. And we know it. The American people aren't crazy. He said shithole. Durbin said he repeated it. he repeated it, said it more than one time. Durbin was sitting right there next to Trump. It's in the video. He was sitting right there next to Trump. I, I don't think there was any video in the room, actually, because if there was video in the room, there they are. If this was recorded, if this is on film, I'm pretty sure that Trump and his goons and his ass kisses are trying to are trying to keep it from going public, where we can actually hear this monster saying that Haiti and African countries are shitholes. Wherever immigrants came from, they're shithole countries. This asshole, Donald Trump, has made the United States a shithole country. He has made the United States a shithole country. And it's about time that Democrats stand, call this man out for what he is. I've always known Donald Trump was a racist. I've known he was a racist way back when he was do- in the campaign and, and, uh, debating. I'd known he was a racist then. A lot of those guys on the stage that he was debating knew he was a racist. And this sounds so much, uh, calling countries and people shitholes sounds so much like what Donald Trump would say. Remember a few months ago, uh, from the date of this show, he called the NFL players sons of bitches. He couldn't deny that because that was totally on tape. He called them, get them son of a bitches out of there. And now the heat is hitting Donald Trump's ass and everybody who every every other uh, white supremacist and racist uh, in in his inner circle are going around saying he didn't say it. Lindsey Graham heard him say it. They all heard him say it. There was another few people in there heard him say it. But now they're backing up and say he didn't say anything. What kind of country do we have here? Thugs in the White House, thugs in Congress. They done screwed the American people so much, it's a damn shame. Donald Trump is banking, uh, putting money, putting taxpayer money into his bank account, which is a a violation of the Constitution. But these asshole, thuggish-ass Republicans, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, they're just as complicit in this as Donald Trump. Steve Bannon has been subpoenaed, subpoenaed, indicted, and subpoenaed by Robert Mueller. And that should send a ripple up Trump's ass. We have to do better, folks. I mean, we have to do better than this. We're better than this. We're the United States of America. We're supposed to be the beacon of the world, but we're... We are totally shit to the world now that we got this piece of crap in office that's bringing down, bringing down America, bringing us down and doing it with glee, with the help of the slimy Republicans. 
in Congress. So I'm thinking once this goes down, I mean, Bannon is already talking to the FBI and, and I'm hoping that this guy is locked up. I'm, we're all hoping that Donald Trump goes down. We're hoping that Pence, Michael Pence, uh, Mike Pence goes down. We're hoping he goes down. Uh, we just hope uh, and pray that Mueller is going to have a chain of them son of a bitches walking out of that White House. Donald Trump, his family, Mike Pence, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, all of these thugs and some thugs uh, in, the, in Congress that are, that are protecting and abetting this guy. America don't want Donald Trump. America doesn't like Donald Trump. The world doesn't like Donald Trump. And the only reason why he's still there is because we have crooked, low-down, slimy Republicans who will not do their jobs. They're getting paid off. They're, they're, uh, the donors, are the, the corporations, they're getting paid off. They're getting their pockets lined, so they're not going to say anything. They're bought off. They're bought and paid for. Put it that way. Every last one of them bought and paid for. And they're bought and paid for not to m- remove Donald Trump. Instead of representing the people who put their asses in office, instead of rep- representing the people who put them there, gave them their jobs, gave them their great health care, gave them $174,000 a year job, they have turned their backs on those people. They've turned their backs on their constituency while, they're, while the donors push millions into their, into their bank accounts. This is all about money. They're bought and paid for. They're doing what their donors want them to do. $174,000 a year is not enough for, for, for them. This is what that's the salary of a, a, a um, representative in Congress, $174,000 a year. But these people are getting millions, millions from their donors. They're getting millions to look the, to look the other way. They're getting millions not to do anything. Donald Trump uh, signed a, a tax bill. Reform bill. It's not a reform. It's a giveaway to the rich. That's what it is. Donald Trump has lined their pockets. The donors have lined their pockets. So, uh, therefore, the hell with the people of the United States. The hell with their voters. The hell with the constituency. The hell with everything. They're doing what their masters tell them to do. And that's bad. That's why we're going to wipe them out in uh, November 6th. 2018, we're going to wipe them out of, out of office, and they're afraid for their asses. And a, and a lot of them don't give a, they don't, a lot of them, the Republicans, they don't care if they lose. They don't care if, uh, if, if a blue wave, just, just a tsunami just pushes them out, out, they're voted out of office. They don't care. Why? Because they've been paid. They have been paid. Why do you think so many Republicans are resigning from Congress? They're not resigning to spend more spend more time with their family. They're not resigning because they're, they've reached a certain age. They're resigning because they've got their cash. They're resigning because their pockets have been lined. They can go live comfortably now. They've, they've got their money. And some of them are resigning because they know that they're not going to have a job if they try to run in again because we're going to wipe them out. 
it's just sad, folks, that 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 uh, the United States has has come to this, has come to this, and all the lying. As Maxine uh, Waters mentioned, yeah, Donald Trump has told over two thousand lies, and now it's even more. Now <laughs> he done told more on top of the two thousand lies. You know, by saying that he didn't say this. And we know he did, that he's not a racist. Give me a break. Give that man a candy bar. Donald Trump is the, he is a racist in chief, liar in chief, total lies, nothing but lies. He's protected by other criminals in Congress. The American people, I mean, we're going to uh, I mean, we're going to be uh, marching up and down Pennsylvania Avenue and we're going to demand that that guy get his ass out of our White House, get his thuggish, racist, piggish, lying ass out of the White House. And I'm so glad to see that Democrats are finally stepping up to the plate and calling these shitholes out for what they are, even if the, I'm talking about the ones who try to defend this guy, lie for him. Because there's a bunch of them out there. Fox News, they should take that crap off the air. It, that's another sore stain on, a, on, the, on the America. On America. All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air. It's <laughs> just about off the air, actually. Author Christy Richardson, make sure you pick up her book. Um, you can always um, podcast the show and find out uh, where to get the book. It's, I believe it's on Amazon. It's making sense of it. it it's it's a good book. I mean, if you have a child or a special, a special need child, uh, this is her first book, I understand. And uh, she was on the show. She was really beautiful. And I want to thank her for that, for being on the show and being such a, a good guest, a great guest for the show. All right. You've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show. I believe it's about 10. Oh, I'm <laughs> wow. Something there's something in my microphone here. So. Uh, we're going to take a slight break. I, I just love it uh, that Maxine Waters said what she said. All righty. And there are so many of these uh, Trump, as I, I'm going to say this again, there's so many of these Trump surrogates that's going around television, getting on radio, they're getting their asses on television and lying through their teeth about Donald Trump. There are so many. And we, the American people, we're not stupid. We know these people are lying. If Trump's a liar, then we know they're a liar. They're lying. Because Trump affects everybody in his circle. I mean, a lot of these women that came out after, came, came after Trump on sexual, uh, sexual misconduct, they've been paid off. Somebody done paid them off to shut them up, not to say anything. That's why we don't hear anything from them. Whenever somebody gets some dirt on Trump and it's and it's true, Trump pays them off. Simple as that. And that's against the damn law. But he somehow scourged the law because we don't have any any uh, anybody uh, uh, any checks and balances on Donald Trump. We don't have any checks and balances on the Republicans in Congress. We don't have any checks and balances on the Supreme Court. And all of these people are Republicans. Republicans run everything. And they're trying now, folks, they're trying to blame uh, a shutdown that may come Friday, this Friday, 
uh, on Democrats. Can you believe that? The Republicans are trying to blame uh, a shutdown, a government shutdown on Democrats. Democrats aren't to blame. They're trying to throw it on the Democrats. If there's a shutdown, blame the Democrats. This is Trump and his goons. That's crazy. You know why it's crazy? Because the Republicans, they got the White House, they got the Senate, they've got the House of Representatives. If anybody is to blame for a shutdown that might happen, that could happen, that will happen, is the Republicans. The Republicans will be to blame. But the Donald Trump, this jackass, he's always looking to throw the blame somewhere else. It, it, it was Obama. It was Hillary. It's the Democrats. And the Democrats, they're not in charge of anything. The Republicans, they have the reign of the United States. They own the United States as of now. The Democrats cannot stop them from doing anything that they want to do. But they're always looking for somebody to blame. There's more lies coming out of the White House, more lies coming out of our government. And the world knows right now that we are fed up with Donald Trump. We're fed up with the ruthless, uh, aiding and abetting criminal Republicans in Congress. Boy, do we have them. We do we have them, but we have our vote. Vote their asses out. I mean, when you vote November 2018, make sure you vote in massive uh, numbers. Send a message. Don't just go there and just vote them out. Go there to throw them out. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and I'm serious, folks. I'm serious. We all live in America, and we know that these jackasses are taking it down. Uh, Yeah, we can't wait and see what Bob Mueller has, you know, but, you know, uh, I hope he comes up with something quick because he's already subpoenaed Steve Bannon, and I'm pretty sure that's got Trump quaking in his boots, you know, quaking. And uh, social media just ripping apart with negative things about uh, Donald Trump. He is the most hated man on social media. He's the most hated man um, in America and around the world, not just America. This guy, it's all around the world. He's the most hated man. How How can he live with himself? Oh, well, I'll take the heat. I'll take the heat. Well, hey, you take the heat, you've got the heat. Heaven help the child who never had a home. Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone. Help the roses if the bombs begin to fall. Heaven help the black man if he struggles one more day. Heaven help the white man if he turns 
Hope she comes back. But, you know, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show. Have a great evening, everybody. Cut me off. Fuck them.